I come to church because it is the only community in my life where there is not a single topic we cannot discuss. The true gift of our religious tradition is we are free to explore any and everything in the cosmos. Everything matters. Let me be clear. I am not saying that we are free to believe anything. I'm saying everything is data. Data for formulating our beliefs. Everything is data for understanding what it means to be human. What it means to be mortal. What it means to have autonomy. What it means to accept our limits, what it means to live, work, and congregate with others, what it means to study, what it means to love. I asked through my sermon title if we could talk about sex rather than money. I was being a bit silly. But like all humor, I was being very serious. We can feel more vulnerable talking about our finances than our sex life. Yet this is the time of the year the church more freely talks about money. And these discussions are a good thing. Last night's fellowship dinner, (laughs) it was a wild time, formally kicked off this year's Canvas Drive. Personal and institutional finances are religious issues. The church's budget is a way to see what hope cares for, values most. And it's worth looking at our own personal budgets in that light. Our family budgets provide similar lenses into what is important to our family Hope's board of trustees, bless them, look after the church's finances on our behalf. It is one of their primary duties. Since I've joined the church in August, I've been privy to these meetings, and I can report it is difficult work. At the same time, it's rewarding and joyful work. And I've witnessed the multitude of ways the board and its committees are working very hard to be even better stewards of the church. You may not know a group has been updating policies to bring them up to current best practices. That is tedious work, but a necessary task. Others have been overseeing an audit of financial systems, A team is making ongoing cost reductions and improving energy efficiency. So from tending to investments to considering how to replace vital yet aging equipment, the church is being very responsible with our money. And I say our money because I have a stake in Hope Church. I've had one from the beginning. My husband Joe and I made an annual pledge to Hope the first week I was hired. 
I cannot be your minister with integrity or join in any of the conversations if I am not in the same boat with you. We made a pledge because Hope Church is an essential institution in our community. There's nothing else like it in Tulsa. While we have four Unitarian Universalist congregations in town, each one is a unique expression of our liberal religious faith. Tulsa would be greatly diminished without this thriving, evolving congregation nestled in an oasis of nature. More importantly, Hope is a church where there's not a single topic we cannot discuss, not one. Our intimate size encourages frequent face-to-face conversations. We bump into each other every Sunday when there's not ice, and in between. Hence, our discussions can go deeper and grow more nuanced. Over time, when disagreements arise or issues become complex or heated, as they inevitably will and do, when we stay at the table together, we grow and mature spiritually together. We are choosing to practice what Unitarian theologian James Luther Adams calls the community-forming power. That phrase, the community-forming power, is even the term Adams uses to define God, to talk about what is ultimate. Hope Church is an expression of what is ultimate, a voluntary community forming together, shaped by history, reason, and love. I've heard stories again and again about how the Unitarian Church has saved a life. We do not talk about salvation, but that omission may be a mistake we make. People of all ages are changed forever by their participation in a Unitarian Church. Usually it's someone who's begun to have some doubts about what they've been taught, about God, or life after death, or miracle makers. Let me give an example of a situation that gets repeated over and over again. A woman came to First Unitarian in Oklahoma City, where I taught a weekly lunch class. She was nervous, because it was the first time She'd come to any church in years. She was reluctant to come to a service and thought coming to a class might be a little lower staked, a little easier. So after introductions, we watched a short TED Talk, then launched into a hearty discussion about religion and science. After a long while, the woman finally joined in. And she said, before I add my comments, I need to know if it is okay for me to say, 
I don't believe in God. After a brief pause, a man said, I just want you to know I'm a flaming atheist. The group burst into laughter. Another cocky member shot back, Well then, I must admit, I'm a flaming theist. We all laughed harder. The woman was laughing too. But she also had tears rolling down her face. She said, You have no idea what it feels like for me to be in a room where I can freely express my beliefs. I have never had such a place. I can tell this is home for me, finally. What she did not know then is we indeed know what it feels like to find a safe religious home. I hear similar stories at Hope Church. I hear relief and joy in discovering a welcoming, diverse community. I hear stories from parents looking for an honest religious education for their children. We are a transformative religious institution. We agree to let our most personal understandings and choices become entwined with a transcendent view. We discover our deepest hopes and intentions here, then shape them into a committed love that will not let us go. We use that love in our struggle to influence history. We use that love to be an effective, powerful force at the cutting edge of our most pressing contemporary issues. So in Oklahoma in 2014, sex remains one of those pressing contemporary issues. The state, as you well know, has the second highest rate in the country of births between 15 to 19-year-olds. In our church, discussions about sex and sexuality are not forbidden. We can talk about sex. Let me be clear. Our discussions must be within appropriate boundaries, at appropriate times, with appropriate people, and most of all, age-appropriate. That said, Unitarian Universalism does not deny that humans are sexual beings. Our sexuality is a boundless source of data for understanding the meaning of life. Grappling with healthy expressions of our bodies and our passions inform all our relationships. A brief look at how our tradition has evolved over issues of sexual morality is a lesson. Love and reason have pushed us to the ethical edge of this most fundamental human drive. To begin, because our Unitarian and Universalist ancestors in the 1800s affirmed new understandings in science and psychology, we have thought progressively on sexual matters for a long time. It was 1929 when the Universalist Church 
in America passed a resolution in favor of family planning. And it took the Unitarians, we were separate at the time, another 20 years before they made a public stance in favor of the planning of parenthood. By 1967, the burning theological debate of the day was the morality of premarital sex. The Unitarian Universalist theologian I mentioned earlier, James Luther Adams, wrote an article for Playboy magazine on the matter. So as a liberal religious leader and scholar, Adams wrote, I prefer to appeal to what I believe is an authentic conception of love, an abiding affection that carries with it responsibility and respect for the other person in the context of a community. Out of this complex of values emerge guidelines, not neatly formulated rules. In other words, simple black and white morals don't cover real human experiences. Exploring reasonable limits of premarital sex is a worthy civic and religious conversation. Religious institutions that uphold untenable, rigid rules are not providing a healthy community based on love and respect. More than 40 years ago, congregations recognized children were misinformed or uninformed about normal sexuality. And so again, Unitarian Universalists pioneered a new sexual education course for youth. Some of you may have had about your sexuality Anyone here go through that? But it was then revamped to offer special curricula for all ages and renamed Our Whole Lives. Owl. You may hear people talking about owl. So owl is taught here at Hope and has been for years. So I'd like to see everyone who has taught owl to raise their hands and keep them up. And if you went through an owl class as you were growing up, raise your hand. And if you have had a child go through a class, raise your hands. Now look around and see how this church is unafraid of frank discussions and scientific information. The church is a safe place for youth exploring sexuality to ask questions and get informed answers. They will not get a dance of doctrine, avoiding what is at the heart of their questions. So sex education is only one aspect of this conversation. While other denominations struggle today with their theology and doctrine on these issues, back in 1969, our association had its first openly gay minister. The full spectrum of sexual orientations, gender identities, and gender expressions are welcome here. Individuals and groups in this church have taken stands in support of women's rights, human rights, family rights, really, 
to keep abortions legal. You've heard sermons about it from this pulpit. Keeping abortions legal actually decreases their frequency. Again and again, Hope Church uses love and reason to influence history. The church continues being an effective, powerful force at the cutting edge of our most pressing contemporary social justice concerns. So every single Sunday of every single month, the church chooses to collect money, not for itself, but to focus resources on the most pressing issues of our day. The church has given away tens of thousands of dollars to local nonprofits working on human rights, environmental issues, mental health, substance abuse, education, animal rights, and the most basic, unmet daily human needs of housing, food, and more. This is just one of the many ways the church models extravagant generosity. No doubt the church could easily have spent all the money they gave away over the years, but instead chooses to practice the spiritual principle of extravagant generosity. The church deliberately spends its time, treasures, and talents on core values. So extravagant generosity is a mindset of abundance and compassion. A scarcity mentality breeds conflict and anxiety. Instead, hope acts out of a generosity to nourish relationship, and spread love of neighbor. You know, churches that have chosen to give away Sunday collections have worried how to make up that lost income. And in each case, particularly in Hope's case, the Sunday donations have increased along with the donations to the church's operating funds. Extravagant generosity is win-win. It is the undeniable community-forming power in action, being sent forth to better the world. So during these next few weeks, as Hope asks you to pledge your money to support the health and vitality of this church, consider extravagant generosity. With this pledge drive, the church is asking you to be generous with your treasure, with a personal financial pledge. That's different from sharing your time and talent. This monetary commitment means extravagant generosity toward hope's financial health. Pledging means you benefit from this church, you participate in its activities, and want hope to thrive as a community-forming power. We place a high value on diversity, diverse views and backgrounds. Included in this diversity is a diversity of economic circumstances. So all of us support our church at individual financial levels. Some members are able to pledge more than others, others less, but we can all share in supporting our church. So if you're pledging for the first time, thank you. Thank you for investing in a bright future. If you're renewing a pledge, 
Consider extravagant generosity and increasing your pledge. Consider how someone else's generosity has touched and changed you. Now you can do the same. An increase in your pledge supports the church's growth. So Joe and I have agreed the church is moving forward. We've increased our pledge. We are grateful to belong to a community with the freedom to explore anything in the cosmos. I am grateful to be the minister of a church where everything is data and we develop our beliefs together. I am grateful to be in a community forming power to inch history forward. And I'm grateful for each one of you. I'm grateful for everyone who's invested in this church for the past 45 years. And I'm proud to join that line of extravagant generosity. Join me. May it be so. And where if you will rise, we will 